Amen. Well, you can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. I'm Josh. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to be able to meet you afterwards. And uh, happy Labor Day weekend. I've been told this is my fifth Sunday here, so I've been told this is like the beginning of fall, uh, which is exciting, so we're excited for that. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you've ever had this happen in your life, but have you ever uh, disappointed somebody? Have you ever let somebody down or, or maybe just didn't meet their expectations? When, I, when we lived in Tucson, uh, Katie and I went to a CrossFit box, um, and the owner of the gym was a former college football athlete. He trained athletes. Um, he was also a CrossFit Games athlete. So he was just one of those guys that, I mean, he could deadlift almost 600 pounds. He you know, could do 100 feet of handstand walks and uh, just an unbelievable athlete. And as he was preparing for the CrossFit Games, he would work out um, four afternoons a week. And he had this kind of like small group of guys that worked out with him. And for whatever reason, he let me work out with him for several years. And I I was one of those people, I just felt like I was kind of a fish out of water. I wasn't in the right group kind of a thing. And for about a year, you know, things were going really, really well. I was getting stronger and, you know, really enjoying my time with him and this group. And then I hit this kind of like plateau where no matter what we were doing, no matter what exercise I was doing, no matter what day it was, I always missed the last rep. Didn't matter what it was. It it, it didn't matter if we were doing a bench press. It didn't matter if we were doing pull-ups. If we were doing five sets of, of five reps of deadlifts, I would always miss the last one. At, at the end. I, I would get the first 24 reps, just perfect. I would have great energy, you know, do everything right, and I would miss the last one. And, and for like a year, this went on. And he would be, you know, one of those encouraging trainer gym owners, you know, something would happen, he'd be like, hey man, it's all right, you know, just come back tomorrow, it's gonna be okay, like you're gonna, he, he was, you know, all the pithy, like, motivational posters for me. And, you know, he would just try to encourage me and everything, and the other guys would do the same thing. And I remember, um, after about a year of this, we, the one day we were, we were working out, and uh, I was getting ready to pick the bar up and do an, do an overhead press, and right before the very last set, before I grab the bar, Sean looks at me and he goes, don't miss. So I, I'm feeling this pressure. I, you know, I, I got my weight belt on, I'm all ready to go. I, I, I get my breath in, I grab the bar, I get through, four reps, and on the last one, I get to like right here, and I just drop the bar. And for a moment, I just stand there before I look over at Sean, and when I finally look over at him, this is his look. And he just walks away. He doesn't say say a word. And, And for the rest of the workout, he doesn't say anything to me. And I remember getting in the car and thinking, man, he, he's not going to want to work out with me anymore. He's, he doesn't think I take this seriously. He, you know, thinks I'm going to be wasting his time. And, and I drove home the whole way thinking, man, I just let Sean down over a silly thing. And I remember before we moved here and I was, I was retelling this story to Sean and I was like, do you remember that? He's like, yeah, I remember that. And I was like, what were you thinking? He said, all I was thinking was, I've never seen someone consistently miss like that. And I said to him, I was like, well, were you mad? Like, were you, like, what were you? And he's like, no, I wasn't mad. He's like, not my body, you're missing. But here's the thing about expectations. For, for so long, all I thought was, Sean's disappointed. Sean's upset about this. And then, after like 12 to 15 months of this, it just went away. 
all of a sudden, I could hit every single rep that I needed to. I don't know if there was some kind of mental block or something. But the reality is, at some point in some relationship that you and I have with different people, whether it's at work or at home, at school, at some point, you're going to disappoint somebody. At some point, someone's going to place an expectation on you that you're not going to meet. You may not meet it intentionally or it may be unintentional. They may place an expectation on you that you have no idea about. Maybe you've had a relationship where someone was mad at you and it was something, they didn't tell you that they had that expectation, but they just, they had it, they didn't verbalize it, and then all of a sudden they got mad and you paid the price because you didn't meet the unsaid, unmet expectation. And this happens every single day in really, really big ways and in really, really small decisions. It happens at work. You, we have all felt the pressure at work where we look at our boss and we think, I've let my boss down. My boss was expecting this to happen. Some of the biggest scars that you and I carry from childhood are about expectations that parents placed on us. If you're a student, you have expectations as you start this new school year. Especially as a parent, you have expectations about what this new school year was gonna be like. You probably didn't post the first day of school photo that you thought you were gonna post. We have expectations about everything. Even those of us who would say, you know, Josh, I'm not a people pleaser. You know, I just don't care what people think about me. You know, what you see is what you get. Like, even those of us who feel like that, we have all felt the sting of letting someone down. We have all felt the sting of having, of someone else letting us down. But the thing is, there are moments and there are expectations that you and I are not supposed to meet. There are expectations that people have of us that you and I are supposed to let go. And so as we're wrapping up our series today called Start, if you're new, um, you'll know, you maybe don't know that I just started here five weeks ago. And so in the midst of this new season, we're looking at how we start this new season as a church. We're looking at Mark 1 and how Jesus started his ministry and how that influences the way that we start. Now, here's the thing about expectations in this season. As Katie and, and I and our five kids moved here, if you've been a part of this church for any length of time and have gone through the transition of not having a lead pastor, you have expectations about what we'd be like. You had expectations as we moved here about what it would be like, what this new season would be like, what changes or, or not changes would happen. Every single one of us had expectations. We had expectations about what things would be like as we moved here. And at some point, the reality is, is that you and I, in this relationship as pastor and church, that we'll let each other down. And we'll have expectations that don't get met. And like in all relationships, what happens on the other side of that is what really, really matters. Because that determines how far a relationship goes. Now, you might be surprised in Mark 1, Jesus actually disappointed people. Not because he did something wrong but because they had expectations for him that he didn't meet. They had expectations that he didn't come through on. And the same thing happens to us. What, regardless of where you are in your faith journey, all of us have had a moment where God didn't do what we expected him to do. We've all had a moment where we prayed for something that God didn't answer the way we prayed it, where God didn't heal the way that we thought he should, where God didn't come through the way that we thought he should. Maybe for you, it's because God gave your life and your dream to somebody else. 
And you thought, I'm supposed to have that life, but that, my neighbor has it. How come it's so easy for them and not for me? And so Jesus shows us not only how we handle expectations, but he also helps the disciples walk through how we handle unmet expectations. And so this is what it says in, in Mark chapter 1, in verse 29. As Jesus' just reputation is growing and, and word of, uh, of his healing and his teaching is spreading, this is what it says. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So Jesus went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, I want you to picture this. So Jesus is teaching, he's healing, and, and, and word begins to spread. All of a sudden, Jesus is the center of attention in this town. Everybody wants to be around him. Everyone wants to be near him. And this makes sense because if we were in a town and we had a sick child or a sick relative and we heard that Jesus was in town healing people, we would bring them to Jesus. We would bring them to Jesus. And one of the main things that Jesus does is, is throughout the Gospel of Mark is healing people and teaching people. And so as Jesus is doing that, he's becoming more popular. More and more people are coming to him expectations about Jesus are starting to go up, and this is what happens in our lives. This is what happens at work. If you're really, really good at something, what happens? The expectation for that goes up. It may be something that you just place on yourself. It may be an expectation you place on yourself. If you're a straight-A student, all of a sudden the expectations start to go up. Depending on what your parents did for a living, maybe their parents did the same thing, so they have an expectation that you're going to do the same thing, and expectations start to go up. If you're a parent, you probably have an expectation of the life that your kids will live once, you leave, once they leave your house. Maybe it's not an unrealistic expectation, but you have an expectation. And so as Jesus' popularity is growing, expectations are going up. The more that you excel at something, expectations start to go up. And here's what's amazing, is at this moment, Jesus has yet to say that he's the Messiah. He has yet to announce who he is. He is simply teaching and healing. But what happens next, I think, in verse 35, is the whole crux of this passage that's so easy to miss. This is what it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So I want you to picture this. Jesus is at the height of his popularity in this town. Okay? From our perspective of growing a business or a platform, Jesus is on the way up. It is up and to the right. And what does he do? He pulls back and goes to pray. He pulls back and spends time with the Father. And so to this place where the disciples didn't know where he was. So he, he pulls away so much so that they have to literally play hide and seek trying to find him. And so the disciples come and say, Jesus, people want you to keep healing. People want you to be here. Jesus, come back. Here's how this plays out for us. Here's how other people place expectations on us like the disciples did with Jesus. It'll be things like, well, you should be married by now. You should have kids by now. 
you really should be out of credit card debt by now. You should be the boss by now. Your kids should not act that way by now. You shouldn't act that way by now. Right? Expectations begin to get placed on us by other people. This is how you should parent. This is how you should live. This is how you do marriage. This is how you do this. This is how you think about this. Expectations on top of expectations get placed on us. And what does Jesus do in this moment? Look at verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Which, to me, reading this passage is incredibly humorous from the outside looking in. Like, I, I wonder what confused looks the disciples had in this moment. What do you mean, wait a minute, Jesus, what do you mean, let's go somewhere else? Like, everybody here wants to see you. Jesus, everybody, like, they're clamoring for you. Jesus, this is where everybody wants you. What do you mean we're going to go? What do you mean you want to go somewhere else? Why would you want to go somewhere else? He says, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I want you to imagine for a moment. Okay, I want you to picture an expectation in a relationship that someone has placed on you. Could be anybody. Could be a boss, a parent, maybe your mother-in-law. Any expectation. Can you picture it? Do you have it? Doesn't have to be, it can be realistic, unrealistic, doesn't matter. Can you imagine, just imagine for a moment, not meeting it? Just not doing it. Disappointing that person. See, for many of us, just the thought of not meeting an expectation, of not saying yes, turns our stomach, it, 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 makes, it makes us all nervous, we get really tense. You can, you can feel it rise up in our necks so many times when we just think, but I have to do that. I have to say yes, because if I don't say yes, then they're going to get somebody else to do it, and then this is, this is the last time. And then all opportunities will pass me by. This is, this is it. Or we'll say things like, but if I don't do that, they might not respect me anymore. They might not want me anymore. They might not love me anymore. And we begin to imagine all of the things that might happen. See, but what Jesus shows us is something that has become something of a mantra in the Reich House over the years. And it's this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. That every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Now, know what you're thinking. Josh, that's so obvious. But here's the thing. Most of us think we can say yes to everything. Most of us run our calendars and run our bank accounts like we can say yes to everything. When a, when a promotion comes along and we think, well, I for sure should take it. Why would I turn down this promotion? Well, play this out. If we say yes to that, you might be saying yes to more money, more responsibility, more respect and influence, but you also might be saying no to a good night's sleep, to friend time and family time. I, I remember I saw this play out soon after we got married, we lived in Baltimore, and one of my mentors had this incredible opportunity in the Department of Defense. 
was going to be the, the second from the top. And I remember talking to him about it, and I said, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm not going to take it. I said, wait a minute, hold on. I said, so you're not going to take, like, this is, you have, this is almost to the pinnacle of, of your career. And this is what he said to me. He said, I know if I say yes to this, I won't be able to coach any of my kids' teams. And he said, it'll come around again. And I, I have never forgotten that. In that moment, he knew what to say yes to and what to say no to. See, but how does Jesus know and how, how do we know? Because it's easy to read a passage like this and think, well, of course Jesus knew what to do. I mean, he's Jesus. But look at what he does in verse 35. Again, this is incredibly important. Jesus pulls back, goes off to a solitary place in the dark and prays. See, here's what Jesus is doing that's incredibly important is that he is pulling back to not only get perspective with God the Father, but to just get perspective. See, one of the things that happens so many times, it, this happens in my life, and I'm, I'm sure it happens in your life because I can't be the only one, but where you just say yes to things without thinking about it, where you just commit to things, and then the night rolls around and you think, how did we say yes to this? Why did I even say yes to this? How did we sign up for five things in five different places? Like how, how do, didn't anyone see this coming? Didn't anyone know we had everything happening this week? Why did, we, why did we say yes to this? And then what do you do? You think, okay, what could we say that's not really a lie to get us out of this? We've all done that, you've done that. You've thought, and if you have kids, you go, are any of you like maybe feeling sick? Then I could say, well, I think we got a sick kid, right? And, and so, but when we stop, when someone says, hey, can you do this? If we stop and say, hey, I'll let you know. Even if you just pull back for an hour. See, all of us don't have the luxury necessarily to pull back for like a whole day to say, hey, to our boss, hey, I'll, just, I'll let you know tomorrow. But sometimes we do. But if you could even just pull back and say, just, just give me 30 minutes, just to pull back for a moment, in that moment helps us to differentiate what to say yes to and what to say no to. In that moment, as Jesus pulls back, he's not just pulling back to pray, but he's pulling back to get perspective and to process through everything that's happening and everything that God has called him to. But what we do is we go, well, I just don't want to let anybody down. And this is a great opportunity. And if I don't capitalize on it right now, if I don't jump into it right now, if we don't do this, then, I mean, we're just going to miss it. And Jesus says, no. There's always time for us to pull back and to be with the Father and to get perspective. There's always time. Now, some of that time comes, what does Jesus do? Jesus, he's not being lazy about it. He got up early. So sometimes our perspective is going to come at, at a sacrifice from something that maybe we want, like sleep. But to get that perspective to pull back, to say, I, I need to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. How do I differentiate? How do I understand what Jesus is calling me into. Because don't mention this. This is incredibly important, okay, what Jesus shows us here, is that if you say yes to the expectations of others, you might not have the capacity to do the things God calls you to and invites you to do. See, if you say yes to the expectations that everybody else has for you, you may miss out on what God has for you. And you may not have the energy for it. You may not have the capacity to do things that God calls you to. Now, here's the other thing that this perspective brings. This is incredibly important, too. 
is for you and I to be able to evaluate the season of life we're in. Okay? There, there are things in your life and in my life that you were able to do 10 years ago that now you don't have the capacity to do. That's just the way life is. There are things that as, as a single or a young married couple that you're able to do before kids that all of a sudden you're just, you're looking back going, how did we have all that time? Where did all that go? There are things that, that right now in a season, like for our family, as we're raising teenagers that we're going, there's things we don't have capacity for that we had capacity for five years ago. Maybe you're an empty nester and you go, man, I have way more capacity now than I used to have in my calendar. And so part of this pulling back is saying, okay, what season am I in? And here's what this does as well. One of my mentors, uh, Steve Cuss, wrote a great book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, and he has this to say about expectations. He says, all of us need to discern what is ours to carry, what is God's to carry, and what is theirs to carry. See, and here's the crux of expectations. There are things in your life and in my life that we're supposed to carry. There are responsibilities that you and I are supposed to carry. There are things that we are supposed to shoulder, okay? There are things that you and I need to feel the weight of, but there are also things that we carry that God is really supposed to carry. Here's an example. Do you have any relationship anywhere in your life where you think, I can save that person? Or you think, you know what, if I was there, I would have fixed it. If they would have just called me, this really wouldn't have turned out that way. In that moment, what we have done is we have stepped into the places that God is supposed to carry. There are relationships that we have where we think, I can be the savior for that person. I can be in all of the places and do all of the things. But no, that's God's job. And there are relationships, there are people in our lives that we have spent maybe years carrying things that they're supposed to carry. And as you and I pick those things up, and we do that totally, completely out of love, we pick up and say, I'll get this for you. I'll carry it for you. And in that moment, what we do is we maybe enable them, we maybe keep them from from dealing and feeling some of the pain that they need to walk through, and maybe we keep them from experiencing the things that God wants to take them through. And see, this is really hard because the people that we carry things for are the people we care about the most. They're the people we love the most. They're the people the hardest to disappoint. But part of living into the fullness that God has for you and me and helping other people live into the fullness that God has for them is to know what is mine to carry, what is God's to carry, and what is theirs to carry. So here's what I want to ask you to do before we get ready to respond with communion. I want to ask you, if you're in a place where you have struggled with expectations, you've struggled with disappointing people, and and all of us have, every week one of the things that we're asking you to do is to fill out your Connect card. Because we believe that each week as we open up God's Word that God has something for us, that God has a next step for us. And every week with our sermons, we really want to strive to just having a clear next step to help us process what we walk through. 
That we don't just want to come here on a Sunday morning, open up the Bible and go, oh, that was really nice. Yeah, we should, you know, not carry that and then just leave. But we really want to live into the fullness that God has for us. And you'll notice on there that there's a place if you're a guest for you to fill out. And, and also, it, there's different next steps related to joining a, a, a team or getting baptized. But if you're in a place where you say, you know what, I want to step into not, and being able to handle expectations. You'll notice there's a word there that says expectations. Just check that box if you're with us online. And this week, we're going to send you just a few ways to help you apply that in your closest relationships. How do you do that with your kids? How do you do that with your spouse, with, with a parent, with, with a teacher, with a boss? But as we close and take communion together, here's how I want to set it up for us. Communion's an opportunity for you and I as followers of Jesus to remind ourselves of God's grace for us, how God comes to us, how God rescues us, how God saves us. And it's a reminder as we, as we step back together to just remind ourselves that God always has grace for us. But one of the things we're encouraged to do throughout Scripture is to spend a moment and really do inventory and to confess to God those broken places that we need to confess before we come to the table and take communion together. And here's how I want us to apply this message as we go into communion. Is there a place, is there a relationship where you have carried something that God is supposed to carry or somebody else is supposed to carry? That you just need to confess that. Is there an expectation someone has placed on you or that you have picked up, even if they've never said it? But you need to say, God, I need to confess that I've tried to be you. I've tried to be God. I've tried to be everywhere. I've tried to save this person. I've tried to take care of this. I've tried to control this. And I need to confess that to you, and I need to lay it down. And maybe you need to remind yourself and ask God to remind you of his power to handle the things that you have been carrying for him or for others. And the beautiful thing about confession, the the beautiful thing when we come to God our Father and confess to him is that he already knows. He already knows, and he still runs after us with his love and grace. When we say, God, I've tried to be you in this place, he's not surprised. He knows. And, and, And for that person who maybe you think, I need to stop carrying that for them, you don't need to call them or text them this week to tell them that. They don't need to know. That can be between you and God. You don't need to tell them that you're not gonna carry that anymore. But in this moment, I want to invite you to just take a moment where you are. And then when you're ready, after just taking that time to just process that, to take communion. And to remind yourself that God's love and grace goes further than our sins. And that God has this. That you can trust God to carry what you have been carrying for him and for others. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to invite you to just take a moment where you are, and then we'll respond by just singing together, reminding ourselves of our need for God. So God, I thank you that you meet us. I thank you that as we take communion together, we remind ourselves of your love and grace for us. That even in the places that we have carried for you, God, you forgive us. You welcome us with open arms. 
God, I pray for those relationships where our heart aches, and many times our heart has ached for years for that person. And we have carried it, and we carry it because we love them, we carry it because we care about them. And I know in my heart, I, I have to confess many times, I carry it because I often wonder if you'll do what I think you should do. And so God, as we take communion and we remind ourselves that you are trustworthy, that you are good, that you are in control and that you are, are in all places. And you are constantly on the move. In your name.